0: Good morning, it's great to be with you here this morning in church. It's great to be with you at home, in your living room, or wherever you're joining us this morning. And it's great to be speaking to you on one of these heroes of the faith. And today I've decided to speak on Gideon, um, Gideon of the Gideon's Bible fame. I want a show of hands, maybe, who got a Gideon's Bible when they were at school? Quite a lot. Maybe you've seen them in the hotels. These are the guys who leave the Bibles everywhere around the world so that everybody can pick them up and read them. And they chose Gideon as their representation of the organization. And I've picked this up from their website because Gideon was a man who was willing to do exactly what God wanted him to do. Regardless of his own judgment as to the plans or results, humility, faith, and obedience were his great elements of character. This is the standard that the Gideon's International is trying to establish in all its members, each person to be ready to do God's will at any time, at any place, and in any way that the Holy Spirit leads. What a manifesto. What a kind of what a description of Gideon for us to begin with. But Gideon wasn't always like that. It took him time to grow in his faith, to grow in those characteristics. And we're going to see that shortly as we dive into this passage together. And so this morning we are in Judges 6, 7, and 8. And can I encourage you, if you've got a Bible in front of you, if you've got our Bibles, they're on page 247, or get your phone out. And we're going to look at a few verses from chapter 6, and then we're going to get into the bulk of our passage at the end of 6 and chapter 7. Um, But before we read our passage, I thought it might be helpful to give some context. Um, We find Judges. Judges begins with the death of Joshua, who had just led the Israelites into the promised land. And he has left them, and they are under new leadership. They're under the leadership of the Judges, hence the name of the book. And before Israel had a king... They had judges, and these judges are not Simon Coyle, Britain's Got Talent. They're not Judge Rinder. We're thinking more military, political leaders of each of the tribes of Israel. And Gideon was a judge of Israel, and rather unlikely one. Um, And we're going to find out why in just a sec. But the Israelites are under siege from the Midianites, who were destroying their land, taking their crops. And we read in chapter six, verse five, they came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. And that's what they're up against. That's what the Israelites are up against today. And they needed a new judge, a new leader. So they cry out to God and God chooses a new judge for them. His angels descend to find Gideon. And Gideon, let's be honest, doesn't really fulfill the job description of a mighty leader. Strong and brave and kind of confident. No, Gideon, in his own words, describes himself as the weakest in his own family within the weakest tribe of Israel. To put that into context, if we were picking teams for sports, this guy is getting picked last, and he knows it. But the Lord says in chapter 6, verse 16, I will be with you. And that's all the backing he really needs. That's all the backing any of the heroes of faith that we have read about this past month have really needed. I will be with you. And we're going to find out what happens in this story. So we're now into Judges chapter 6, 34 through to 7, verse 21. So it's quite long, but hopefully you're sitting comfortably um, and you can listen as I begin. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon. He blew a trumpet, summoning the Aberserites to follow him. He sent messengers through Manasseh, calling them to arms, and also into Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, so that they went up to meet him. Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have promised, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is a Jew only on the fleece and all the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. And that is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out the Jew, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, do not be angry with me. Let me make just one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece, but this time make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered with dew. That night God did so. Only the fleece was dry. all the ground was covered with dew. Early in the morning, Juubbal, that is Gideon, and all his men camped at the spring of Harod. The camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. And the Lord said to Gideon, "You have too many men." I cannot deliver Midian into their hands, or Israel would boast against me, saying, "Mine own strength has saved me. Now I announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left, while 10,000 remained. But the Lord said to Gideon, There are still too many men. Take them down to the water, and I will thin them out for you there. If I say, this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say, this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water. And there the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues, as dogs lap, from those who kneel down to drink. Three hundred of them drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. The Lord said to God, With the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but kept the 300, who took over the provisions and trumpets of the others. Now the camp of Midian lay below him in the valley. During that night, the Lord said to Gideon, get up, go down against the camp, because I'm going to give it into your hands. If you're afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Pura and listen to what they are saying. Afterward, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. So he and Pura, his servant, went down to the outpost of the camp. The Midianites, the Amalekites, and all the other eastern peoples had settled in the valley, thick as locusts. Their camels could no more, no, no more be counted than the sand on the seashore. And Gideon arrived just as a man was telling his friend a dream. I had a dream, he was saying. A round loaf of barley came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend responded, this can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites the whole camp into his hands. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down and worshiped. He returned to the camp of Israel and called, Get up! The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. Dividing the 300 into their three companies, he placed trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all of them with torches inside. Watch me, he told them, follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. When I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then from all around the camp blow yours and shout, For the Lord and for Gideon. Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just after they had changed the guard. They blew their trumpets and broke the jars that were in their hands, and the three companies blew their trumpets and smashed the jars. Grasping the torches in their left left hands and holding in their right hands the trumpets they were to blow, they shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon, while each man held his position around the camp. All the Midianites ran, crying out as they fled. Well, guys, thank you for sticking with me through that long passage. But what an incredible story that we have today, the story of Gideon and his faith. And how often have we seen it throughout the scriptures where God picks the unlikely character to be the hero? He picks the down and outs, the prostitutes, the old, the young, the cowards, and God picks them out and he says, I will be with you. All they need to do is trust. And that is what Gideon does in today's passage. He puts his faith in God's strength. He chooses God's strength instead of his own, instead of other people's, instead of other things. And that's what I would like us to do today, to put our faith in God's strength. But Gideon doesn't start out with real faith. In fact, he's a bit on the tentative side. He takes a little bit of warming up to God before we see him fully trust him. And for that, we're given this inc- amazing story, this brilliant little story of the fleeces, 636 to 40, where Gideon puts to the God to the test, not just once, but twice. And bearing in mind that God has already presented himself twice to Gideon, he's really pushing God to confirm things here. He really wants assurance, really wants affirmation that God is choosing him. And Gideon probably had a few things running through his mind as he's laying down these fleeces. He's really uncertain of God's plans and wants God to affirm what he is being called to. But there's also probably part of Gideon's mind hoping hoping against hope that god's going to change his mind you can imagine him on that first morning as he kneels down to lift up the fleece having asked for it to be for the ground to be dry and the fleece to be wet and you can just imagine him going please be dry 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 and it's wet and He's thinking, quite, well, God, that's not quite the answer I had in mind, but maybe we'll, we'll go again. We'll go again. But please, please don't be angry. Please don't be angry with me. Um, and you can imagine that as a kid asking a teacher a silly question. Don't be angry with me. Um, and he's saying this for a good reason. It was against the Israelite law to test God. But God is kind, and he's like, go ahead. We can have another test. Let's do the opposite. And you can imagine that second morning as he kneels down to lift that fleece up, and he's going, please be wet, Please be well." And it's dry. And God is patient with Gideon and he allows him these moments of fear, of doubt, of space to ask God over and over again. And I wonder how many of us are like Gideon this morning, full of uncertainty. I know at times I am, asking God over and over again to affirm and confirm things because I'm not quite sure. And I need to be 100% sure that God's in it or that God is with me in it or just because I'm scared. And I'm hoping that God might change direction, might take that, that away, might change his mind or that he might make things easier for me. But God is so patient with Gideon. He's so patient with us. He's that ultimate parent, the ultimate teacher who is happy to just explain things over and over again, to reassure Gideon, to reassure us, to show us that he will be beside us every step of the way. He's not like each one of us who get frustrated. I used to be a teacher, and I used to get frustrated whenever kids would ask the same questions over and over again. But we ask God repeatedly, and he's calm, and he's caring to help us. And maybe this morning, you've got some of those questions right now. You're unsure if God is saying something to you or you're scared that he is. And can I encourage this one? It's okay to ask him again. He's kind and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. And he will draw near to you every step of the way. And when he does speak to you, can I encourage you to be obedient like Gideon was? Gideon still had all those fears. Gideon still had massive terror. He was still being asked to go off to war with the Midianites. But God had showed up time and time again for him. And he's obedient to what God has said. And he assembles these troops for battle. He may be scared, unsure of what's about to happen, but at least he's got his troops. He's got his men to fight alongside him. He's got everything That he needs for a for a war, and then God goes, maybe not. And the Lord said to Gideon, chapter seven, verse two, "You have too many men." Gideon's probably going, not quite what I had in mind, God, but well, maybe go with it. I don't know about you, but I'm thinking if I'm going into battle, I'm thinking more men. I'm thinking more weapons, more shields, more armory, more artillery, more everything so that we're ready for this battle. And God says, nah, let's get rid of some of them. And God has a reason for this. His reason, and he's going to show Gideon, he's going to show the Israelites something, and he says to them, continue verse two, I cannot deliver Midian into their hands, or Israel would boast against me that my own strength has saved me. God wanted to show them that it was in his strength, in his name and power that they had succeeded and not their own. And so Gideon is obedient and he follows God's command, verse three. Anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left while 10,000 remained you can imagine Gideon thinking, saying, 10,000 10, is okay. Uh, we, 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 can, we can deal with that. We can, we can, we can take the Midianites on with 10,000. We can do this. And God's thinking, mm, maybe not. Still too many. And then God divides them using one of the most peculiar methods you're ever likely to come across. Separate those who lap the water with their tongues as dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. Most teachers going around, one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two, and God's it. no, 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 I've got something new. Let's, let's find a new way to separate people out. And I remember as a kid hearing this story, and before the explanation, I was thinking, if, I, if that was me, I'd have just been head straight in the water. I just want to get the water. I just want to drink. I want to fill myself up. We've been training. We've been preparing for war. I just want water. But no, that's not who God chose. God chose those who were attentive, those who knelt down by the water and lapped it up. And they're left with 300. 300. Gideon's army has been cut to less than 1% of its original total, and they're fighting against an army who have just been described as being thick like locusts. Most commentators reckon that they were about 135,000 in number. So let's be honest, if we were to place a bet on this fight, I think we're probably siding with the Midianites. But God says, with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Gideon is faithful. He trusts God against all his better judgments. He obedient to what God commands, stripping the army of their numbers and leaving them in a fight where they are outnumbered one to 450. How insecure would you feel going into that fight? How terrified would you be going into that fight? We hate that in life when our security is taken away from us. We hate feeling like we're not in control of life or not in control of situations. And how often do we do things in our own strength? Whether that's from the mundane, everyday little things or up to our spiritual lives. We love that feeling of security, that feeling that we can create for ourselves, spending time pursuing things and building up wealth and relationships, gathering assets and prosperity. And these aren't bad things in and of themselves. In fact, for the most part, they are really good. Some of them are essential parts of life. But we can often place too much value in, in them striving for them, thinking about them. I know I do. I think, thinking if I had some more money, then everything, everything that I need would be, I, I could get. Everything's available to me. Or feeling like, or that getting FOMO, fear of missing out over what others are doing, or wanting to be seen in a certain way by certain people. In many ways, we, we turn some of these good things into idols. Idols of what we can do on our own. And idols aren't just things that we worship. They're not just statues or wooden or uh, stone figurines. But Tim Keller puts it, what is an idol? It is anything more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. Anything you seek to give you what only God can give. These things were good, these, but they've taken our attention They've drawn us away from focusing in on God, focusing in on him who gives us our strength. And that is why God stripped the Israelite army back so that they couldn't say, my own strength has saved me. He was showing Gideon, showing the Israelites that it was in his strength that their faith should be. Not themselves, not each other, not even in their weapons. And they didn't even have any. I love this in verse 16. They say, they've been given trumpets and empty jars with torches inside them. They didn't even have swords and shields. But yet they shout in verse 20, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. They've been given not exactly what you would call standard military gear, but they didn't need it. They didn't need a huge army or loads of weapons to fight the Midians. Through Gideon's faith and obedience to God, they were able to win the battle. Despite what the Israelites thought, despite what we might have thought as we read this passage today, despite what Gideon thought, he puts his trust in God's strength, in God's power, God's authority to bring victory even in the most unlikely of situations. God had turned up for Gideon before. And so Gideon was willing to be obedient to God. To put his faith in him and not in people. To put his faith in him and not in things. To put his faith in him and not in security and safety. He put his trust in God's strength. And God brings the victory in his name. And you're thinking at this point, insane, roll credits. The amazing kind of story of Gideon. But so often, and that's so often what happens in Hollywood with all the films, we see the happy ending. But unfortunately, the story of Gideon continues. In Judges 8, and after Gideon's death, and it continues with the Israelites turning back onto their own strength to do things on their own, to seeking to save themselves and worshiping idols and other gods. And this is a repeated behavior throughout the book of Judges. For the Israelites really needed a king, not a judge. They needed a king, not to lead individual tribes, but to lead the whole nation. And if you read a few more chapters and a few more books into the Bible, we find that they are given a king, but that's not the real king that they needed for he was still to come. They needed the king of kings, the Lord of lords, who came not as a great military leader with large armies or great grandeur as they were expected, but one who came as a little boy, born in a stable, worked as a carpenter, who was persecuted and sentenced to death and rose again. That's the king of kings. And under the most unlikely of situations did Jesus come. for the Israelites did not need a king to give them victory over other nations, but a victory over sin, a victory over death, a victory that was for them then and is still for us today. Jesus began with 12 followers. He wasn't known as a great military leader, but yet today we still celebrate him. And every Sunday around the world, billions of people meet to worship in his name. He's the reason for the greatest selling book of all time. He's the reason that through his death, he claimed the ultimate victory over death and sin. And he wants to get to know each and every one of you today. And he wants for each and every one of you to put your faith and strengthen him today just like Gideon did, just like all these heroes that we've read about this past month. They put their faith in God. They put their faith in Christ. And you can too today. And whether that's the first time, whether that's you just want to recommit, turn yourself away from all the other things in life and put your strength in Christ today, you can. So take courage and stand with Christ today.